Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to This Week Explained. I am Tiana. And I'm Kervin. And today we will be discussing the big geopolitical events of the week. But first, I don't even want to bring this up, but (laughs) (laughs) we are coming up on our one year anniversary of launching this podcast. And there were a couple of polls that went out on social media. And according to our audience, in overwhelming fashion, we will be doing a live stream question and answer session. I did not agree to that. (laughs) (laughs) Do you like I that's it's not confirmed right now. (laughs) It is not. The the date and time is not confirmed. No, it's Um, not. So do you have any insight on when that episode will go live? It's just going to be you. <laughs> it's going to be um, awesome. So it's it's all going to be dependent on our schedules and, you know, what date and time the most most of our audience, most of our listeners are available. Um, but the one year anniversary is um, next Saturday, October 8th. oh wow i didn't realize it was october 8th i thought it was later in october but i thought it was too yeah we just Um, saw it i went back and looked through all of our episodes i listened to every episode just to get to the no i didn't (laughs) (laughs) i was actually about to be really impressed with you but now i'm not (laughs) (laughs) yeah good (laughs) um well can can listeners send in questions ahead of time which is my preferred thing Yes, my preferred and, method. And as Tiana just said, we do yeah. encourage everyone listening. You know, go into the show notes with the email. Um, you can email directly, or you can go on um, like Instagram or, or LinkedIn or whatever, and uh, do direct messaging. Any, any, and all questions. I mean, these are questions about us. It could be geopolitical event questions. You know, just anything that you um, you want to know about us or the company, the podcast, all that stuff. Send send in the questions. Yeah. And then give me time to formulate my responses because yes. putting me in front of a live anything is a bad idea. It's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's just it's just a fact, you know? And it but it There's should be, be fun. There has to well there has to be an editing <laughs> process for me. For me to come across even halfway intelligent, Kervin has that, to sit there for like an hour. Not true at all. <laughs> um, Don't say I, no. Don't even well, say no. I do. I do <laughs> want to say one more thing because today is September thirtieth when we're recording it and when the podcast comes out, which means yeah. it is one of our most passionate listeners' birthday today. So a happy birthday to Chad! Happy birthday, Chad! And if you, if anyone else listening wants a shout birthday shout out, you can also email that, and I'll do that. Oh my as well. gosh! 
No, you're like, I'll do it for all of y'all. It's fine. Yeah, anybody. <laughs> Anyone. Well, hopefully the questions will come pouring in. But um, let's get to it. What's on your radar this week? All right. Yeah, this has been a wild week on so many levels. Um, also, we do want to mention that our thoughts and, and prayers do go out to the people in Florida right now. And yeah. if, if you don't know, a hurricane Ian slammed into Florida. Um, there was a lot of flooding. So hopefully um, the clean three letter Three letter I names just it's, keep slamming yeah. in because it was Ida last year. Yep. Now it's Slamed Ian. into my hometown. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we hope everybody's safe. That's the most important thing right now. Yes. Yeah. And, and speaking of being safe and, and the importance of safety, we're going to get right into Russia and Ukraine. Um, it was a busy week. That conflict, uh, we yeah. had the Russian sham referendum, what the U.S. <clears throat> officials have called the sham referendum. Talk about the Nord Stream sabotage. Um, Edward Snowden is now a Russian citizen. We'll get right into that. Um, I know Tiana's excited. <laughs> uh, and so you're, you're hearing a lot of stuff that's, that we're going to talk about Russia a lot. And that's because a lot went on this week in Russia uh, as well. The Japanese council was detained in Russia. Then we'll move over to Italy, which some media reports have said elected its most right-wing government since Mussolini. And if you hear the name Mussolini, you don't want to be involved in that at all. Yeah. And we'll end our month of misinformation with two sides of misinformation. I have no idea what that means, so let's get right to it. All right. What is the big news coming out of the war in Ukraine? So honestly, there's not too much on the front lines uh, because Ukraine is continuing its counteroffensive in those regions that are now held by Russian forces. Then since you brought up the regions held by Russian forces, um, do you have any information on the referendums from earlier this week? Yeah, I do. Um, now, as you as you mentioned, the four contested regions in Ukraine finalized voting on becoming Russian territory. Um, officials in Russia have stated that the voting was overwhelmingly in support of becoming Russian oblasts. Do you have your doubts on the overwhelming support that they're supposedly getting? Well, I don't have any insider information, so I'm going to just discuss it through the lens of how information out of Russia is released. Okay. So. Russia claims that voting is above 90% in favor, and I mean, I won't speak for you, but I highly doubt you could find any region in any part of the world where 90% of people vote a certain way. Yeah. So that that's the first red flag. Um, the second red flag would be the amount of videos that came from social media posts showing Russian forces actually holding people at gunpoint while yeah. they were voting. Um I guess if you do want a unanimous vote, that's one way to get unanimous vote. So then I have two questions for you. Will these okay. provinces be globally recognized as Russian territory? And when will the official announcement come? All right. So the first question, will they be recognized globally? No. Uh, that I know for sure because the U.S. has made it clear they will still identify those regions as Ukrainian. So it's not going to be like a Crimea situation where we just say, oh, oh, well. It, it is not. Fine. Okay. And so you brought up a, a very good point because Russia has done this before 
and yeah. the regions have be, have been globally recognized. And they had no consequences. They were, it, yep. it was fine. They just annexed Crimea, and they nobody want. They didn't want that. I remember them. Yeah, it, it goes back to what we talked about just a few minutes ago with the sham referendum and, and voting at gunpoint. Um, so we'll get right to your second question. So okay. Putin is, uh, he intends to make a statement today, so it's September 30th, officially recognizing those regions as Russian. Why the SWIFT move to officially identify these places as Russian territory? So there's two things happening here. Um, one, and I'd say the most important issue, is that Russia needs more military bodies for its war or special military operation in Ukraine. So do they actually think that these people that are in these annexed territories are just going to willingly and blindly go into battle for Putin? Well, they they don't believe that. That's why they are officially recognizing them as Russian regions so that um, once they are recognized in Russia, the military-aged men can be pushed into military service. That's what that's what I'm saying is like their own countrymen right now are having um, protests because they don't want to get conscripted into this war. So why would they do this? Like it's going to extend like people are going to protest there too yes you're gonna see protests and and you're gonna see those protesters get conscripted into the military or choose death that's gonna be their two choices or escaping as quickly as possible if they can get out that would that would be a good i guess i'm not the optimist i mean i don't yeah i don't i don't i don't know i don't know what's going through their minds i know it has to be terrifying i can't fathom it i'm just like speculating assuming things i don't know i don't know i don't know guys and i I will say that neither one of us know what what is going to happen um yeah once these are officially recognized i mean we know one thing they're all going to get conscripted into the military to fight in this war well what is the other thing going on okay so the second thing has to do with ukraine's um successful counteroffensives and um giving Vladimir Putin, the Russian president, the option to legally, uh, I'll put that in quotes, legally utilize nuclear weapons as Ukraine continues to attack Russian forces in those specific regions. And that has to do with the Russian directive that the use of nuclear weapons are authorized when regions within Russia are under threat. Yep, that's correct. Um, So according Uh, to... That's dirty. It is. um, and, And a lot of uh, military analysts and geopolitical analysts and myself saw this happening um, when Russia put out their new nuclear strategy, which stated mm-hmm. that the Russian Federation reserves the right to use nuclear weapons in response to the use of con- conventional weapons, even conventional weapons, when the yeah. very existence of the state of Russia is under threat. So the weapons don't even need to be nuclear in nature if the Russian government determines the very state of Russia is under threat. I'm sure... Mm-hmm. Everyone listening, if, if you've been a long-time listener, you are aware that governments lie. <laughs> and so Russia could use any attack as a threat to the very existence of Russia. Well, this is very, very, very scary. I can't imagine what the people of Ukraine and in those regions specifically are going through. Yeah, and we definitely don't want to gloss over the human element of all of this. 
um, I couldn't imagine being in that situation. And I've been in austere environment. Um, so our hearts really do go out to the people there. Um, hopefully we can get governments to stop lying by holding them accountable. But um, if no. not, we, we will identify their misinformation and put that out there. That's never going to stop because they yeah. all have their own agendas. Speaking of governments lying, let's get to the Nord Stream incident from this week. What happened there? All right. This week, many of us woke up to the reports <laughs> that an explosion happened near the underwater site of the Nord Stream pipeline and that had disrupted the flow of gas to Europe. Do they know what caused the explosion? So no one has officially verified what actually happened there, but so I always see it like this. When Russia immediately makes the statement, we didn't do this, must be the United States, um, that gets my misinformation ears perky. <laughs> so you think Russia caused the explosion? I mean, I think so. So it's my opinion. Yeah. But but I don't know that for sure. Um, yeah. Now, there's also some conspiracy theorists who believe it was caused by the U.S., to get NATO involved in the war in order to push this one world government or something like that. Um, <laughs> that's also not verified. So I'm going to hold judgment until we get all the facts. But it does seem strange considering the lengths that Russia has gone to to deny that they will stop the flow of gas to Europe, which would cause obviously a terrible winter for those NATO nations. Yeah. And I mean, we talk about this all the time, right? Don't trust what you're being told. Trust which you can verify with your own two eyes and, and two ears in this case. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a country can deny all it wants, but when the facts are laid out and it directly implicates a certain country in a sabotage action, you got to go with the facts. You can't just trust what the government tells you. Could you see a scenario where the CIA would actually damage the pipeline to get NATO involved? I'm, I don't put anything past any clandestine intelligence agency. Okay. Um, it very well could be any number of those agencies, not just the, the CIA. Um, yeah. Quite honestly, if it was CIA sabotage, we're going to call them out on it. Okay. Well, since you brought up holding intelligence agencies accountable, are you ready to have the Edward Snowden talk? No. <laughs> not at all. Let's move on. It's one of my favorite things. <laughs> I love it, especially whenever they are in they were in Intel. You know, they had a similar job that you have, and you just rip them to shreds. I don't want any part of this. <laughs> I do. So come on, give us your thoughts. Uh, so I guess I should give my views of Snowden first. With His personal views. My so personal, my If any of you guys opinion. think he's a hero or something. Here's what I'll tell that's you. That's fine. That's your opinion. <laughs> okay. So um, I will say this first. Um, he was someone that colleagues within the NSA viewed as only wanting to become famous. Uh -huh. um, his intent was, and so this is my opinion, formulated through conversations with people, um, not to, to publicize what this is what he wanted, not to publicize what the NSA was doing for a worthy purpose, yeah, but just to become famous. And he yeah. did that. Yeah. So it's, it's also my opinion, as well as others in the intelligence community, take that for what it's worth. That if he felt morally obligated to shine a light on the terrible things the NSA was doing, he would have stood trial and highlighted all the things that he considered evil. But you don't personally know Edward Snowden and just haven't told me, right? I mean, that that would be something I would do. 
<laughs> not tell you. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd I, find I, out a couple of years down the line. The RIS with yeah, you. No. <laughs> but no, I don't. Especially after watching that Joseph, Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie. Which was called Snowden, right? Was that? Yeah. Yeah. That was so, it was so boring. Even with your commentary, it was still a boring movie. <laughs> so to answer your question. Okay. I'm trying to move past this as quickly as possible. I'm I know this is your least favorite thing. It's one of my favorite things. Discussing anything from modern day military stuff or watching anything from modern day military things. It's just so fun. Watching it with former military people. You guys should try it. It's really fun. Especially <laughs> I, when it's inaccurate. The more inaccurate, the better it is. And I get very opinionated. Most of y'all do. Um, but no, I don't know Snowden personally. I have worked with um, former NSA employees mm -hmm. um, who knew him. And the subject has been brought up. And I do understand that you know this is all my opinion. And it is based off of anecdotal evidence from other NSA employees. Who knew him, but you don't right. know him personally. And so would you like to explain why he is back in the news and why there could be geopolitical implications? So um, so this week, if, if you haven't heard, Russian President Vladimir Putin granted uh, Mr. Snowden Russian citizenship, while his girlfriend has also requested citizenship, but has not been granted that as of yet. Well, she can't be sent off to war. So <laughs> very true. <laughs> <laughs> so why would why would Putin grant her citizenship? Anyways, what impact will this have on the war in Ukraine? So just like you brought up, initially I had suspected he, you know, he's gonna be immediately drafted into military service and his lawyer came out and said that won't happen, but it right. it very well could happen. Um although I don't expect him to be on the front lines of the war. He, as far as I know, is still an extremely useful asset for Russian intelligence. Um, and if that ever changes, you know, he's definitely going to be disposed of in whatever way Russian intelligence decides he's to dispose of him. He's going to either fall down the stairs <laughs> or he'll fall off a boat into the ocean or what? How, how have all of Putin's buddies been dying recently? Fall down stairs. Yeah. Did you say fall down stairs? Yeah. Yeah. That was the first thing I said. Oh, okay. Fall out of windows. Yeah, windows, that's, yeah, windows at the hospital, yep. So, um, yeah, that, any number of those ways. Um, yeah. Now, the main reason that this was done, in my opinion, is to try to drum up some positive press from these pseudo-pro-Russian media accounts. Um, so I've talked about, I've talked a lot about Putin needing wins in order to continue this invasion of Ukraine. And uh, while the news on Snowden may seem just like some formality as mm -hmm. he was always going to be granted Russian citizenship at some point. Putin can now point to the fact that former U.S. intelligence operatives are disillusioned by the United States and are aligning with the Russian government. Well, is this tactic working? I, for the most part, I think it is. Um, oh. There are a few media outlets that aren't necessarily pro-Russian, but they are anti-U.S. intelligence or U.S. government, and they've been pushing out this uh, same narrative and attacked the other the narrative on the other side of what they call Pentagon funded news agencies, um, which just means that those news outlets are in the pocket of the American military industrial complex. So which side do you lean towards? Um, I think my beliefs align with not pushing any narrative 
just reporting what happens, even yeah. though I, I pushed the anti-snow narrative uh, earlier. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I do want to say that's an opinion, not it, it's based off my own facts. Um, Your own facts? My truth. My oh. own. <laughs> Lord. But I, I do believe that both sides of the media put out excellent news reports, uh, even on this subject, while they also do get involved with narrative pushing. Well, that seems like a no-brainer, though. Every article seems to push a specific narrative, and that doesn't mean the reporting is wrong or the journalist True. is lying. It's just not easy sometimes to understand the bias and then extract what is actually true from the report. Now, that is a, that is 100% a factual statement. Um, and I hope we continue to do a good job of calling those reports out. While well, we're also, not talking about us. But I, I also want to identify the facts within the event. And I can, I can say that a, a media agency or a news agency is doing something um, factual and truthful, but also call them out when they're wrong. Well, with that said, let's stay in Russia, but move to the Indo-Pacific region. Uh, the council, the Japanese council in Russia, Matoko Tatsunori, was arrested on charges of espionage. So how did this happen? And is he still in Russian custody? Okay, right, so the first one to say that if you follow our Instagram account at Oakland Analytics, you've already seen this report. Um, and if you haven't been following, hit the follow button on Instagram because we're now posting these breaking and informative news posts as they happen. Well, are you done plugging our account? Um, yeah, so that's going to be plugging? the last you hear okay. from me today. <laughs> okay, because you've plugged it multiple times today. It's getting I, a little sad. I know. We're we're trying to get the message. I'm trying to get the message out there, and you're trying to hold me to reporting the news so let's well, get my, yeah let's get to the news let's get to the news buddy so, that's what people are here for <laughs> i i get i got that and i understand that um so here's what happened with with uh, mr tatsunori so earlier this week the russian federation security forces reported that they had arrested the japanese councilman on charges of espionage within russia well did they give any specifics on what he did so they have claimed that he was caught, quote, red-handed oh. while receiving limited information for money about the current aspects of Russia's cooperation with one of the countries of the Asia-Pacific region. Well, if that's true, there are two countries I could think of that the information would be pertaining to. And you're probably talking about China and North Korea. Well, obviously, either of those... Two or both are, quote, one of the countries of the Asia-Pacific region, end quote. <laughs> yeah, I'd be comfortable making a small wager uh, that it's one or both of those countries. Um, yeah. But it's also, it's unverified, so we can leave it at that. But has he been released? Oh, yeah. So let me mention that one. Um, he was released later that evening and was reportedly on a flight back to Japan. I bet he was. Mm -mm. <laughs> that came about rather quickly, yeah. and yet Brittany Griner sits in prison with no news of release. Yeah, so that you bring up a good point, as acts of espionage, I would think, are far more troublesome than an ounce, an ounce of marijuana. Of ma yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to keep following this, and we can definitely do a deep dive in a future History's Mysteries segment, maybe. Well, before we get to this week's History's Mysteries, there was a ton of chatter about the elections in Italy and what they mean from an historical aspect. Um, what happened there, and what can that election tell us about the future of geopolitics in Europe? 
Yeah, so there was a big uproar in the media this week as Italy elected Georgia Maloney. Um, Mm -hmm. She's viewed by many within the media and within politics as an extremely far-right candidate, while she claims she's going to govern for all Italians. I read this is the first far-right candidate since Mussolini in World War II. Uh, Is this true? Because with all the talk of us on the precipice of World War III, returning Italy to World War II leadership is slightly concerning. Be very concerning, um, because we both know history tends to repeat itself. Mm. And if it is true... That is she that she is most closely aligned with the policies put in place by Mussolini during World War II. That would be extremely concerning. Um, there is also a concern throughout Europe that many countries are moving towards this right wing nationalism in their policy. Um, I, I think this has more to do with the decades of what social democratic rule in countries like Italy and Sweden, which some believe have led to an uptick in violence due to mass migration and open borders. Um, now, let me, I want to be clear. I'm saying things that others are saying and not necessarily my own belief and definitely not your beliefs, Tiana. I'm not going to put words in your mouth either. Thanks. You bet. Um, <laughs> that is the one stipulation that you have for, for continuing to come on here. Oh, come on. Like, I, I would run my mouth if I <laughs> thought, if that, if I thought you were speaking for me, you know, I wouldn't abide. That's what I love. <laughs> you you would call me out. That's what I love about it. I really do. And we're going to cool. continue to talk about what is happening in the world and refrain from putting our own beliefs out there that may skew the reporting. So, I'll... or if we feel like we feel like we can't be unbiased and we voice our opinions, we will let you know that they are our opinions and not facts. <laughs> Exactly. I hope like we, we do need that. Quit, we need to quit pushing this narrative that we try to remain unbiased because we really don't. We we don't. You know where we now, stand on things. But you you make a good point because I do say that we're we're unbiased. We're unbiased. We're unbiased. When that's not yeah. true, everybody's biased. Yeah. Um, what I hope we do is um, lead with that. This is an opinion. This is our own bias when we yeah. say things. Yeah. So this is what I am saying in in Europe. Now, the pendulum in Europe is definitely swinging back towards this closed borders nationalism um, that ha- it hasn't seen for decades. Mm-hmm. And it completely changes the landscape of Europe. And it's going to be something that is going to stay on our radar for months. Um, in fact, Mussolini was a socialist before basically being kicked out of Italy's socialist party which made him turn towards nationalistic fascism. Um, So history isn't really completely repeating itself, and it could be years before we see the impacts of this. Well, that was really long-winded, but I agree. It was important to add nuance to what is going on in politics around the globe. Now, let's get right to history's misinformation mysteries, as this is the last week of September, so you better have a doozy for us, or I'm going to be very disappointed. Um, well, I don't know if it's a doozy. I okay, would hate well, to disappoint you. That's all, folks. See you guys next week. Next. <laughs> no history's mysteries this, this week. <laughs> when history's um, mysteries is back, I will come back. Now, I'll be really honest. Um, seriously, I had no idea how we would end the month of misinformation. Um, mm-hmm. And that is until the media set us up perfectly for this week. Well, I hope this gets interesting really fast, so continue. (laughs) 
Well, this is a um, this is a story we definitely could have covered in the main portion of this show, but mm-hmm. I found it so fascinating in how it fit with with, with what we've been discussing all month. So. Um, of course, I'm talking about the reports over the weekend that Chinese President uh, Xi Jinping was put on house arrest amidst, amidst mm-hmm. a military coup that could topple the Chinese Communist Party. I did see this over the weekend. It was incredible how it reached the front page of Yahoo. Yeah, that is certainly part of the interesting aspect of this story. So I'm going to start from the top. Yeah. Uh, Early this past weekend, reports from various Twitter accounts highlighted a video of Chinese military equipment moving quickly towards Beijing as the Chinese president had been placed on house arrest. That topic started trending on Twitter and quickly moved to um, various uh, valid media outlets. The only problem? None of it was true. Mm -hmm. Or at least none of it was verified before being released as fact. We even made a post about it as it was happening, right? Yeah, we did, saying it was unverified and that the reports were premature at the very Mm -hmm. least. Um, What was exposed only two days after these reports was that it all started from a known um, anti-CCP Chinese Communist Party account associated with the Falun Gong religious movement. Is that the group that does Shen Yun (laughs) theater performances? Yes, and it was... um, They also own the New Tang Dynasty television network or television station. It's based out of New York City. Yeah. And that station highlighted these tweets. So oh, wow. Um, what makes this the perfect ending to this month's historical segment is how quickly the misinformation moved from one post with a video mm-hmm. to tens of thousands of comments from blue check marks on Twitter and dozens of headlines reporting well, on the unverified tweet. Well, if the news is spicy enough, of course people want drama. So yep. they're willing to accept that rather quickly without research. Right. But the code of journalism is to verify reports before putting it out. There. Well, that used there, to be. Yeah, there is no code anymore. Now they just put stuff out for clicks. Yep. Who's the first one to get it out there? You've got to be the first one to put it out. Yeah, um, yeah. This is the reason we do this podcast, and it's the reason it stays weekly and not daily. You guys because... would be real bored well, hearing no, our that's... voices every day. Oh, that's not it? Okay, sorry. <laughs> no. Sorry. Um, All right, cool. I We try to, to look at these events that are going on and validate what is what is happening, as opposed to just reacting to it. And misinformation knows no one political affiliation or one country. This is not Mm -hmm. a Russia or China problem. It's a global crisis. Um, I'm sure there are some people out there right now saying, so what, in response to the fact that the reports were false? You know, no one was hurt by this, right? Except for the credibility of those media outlets. (laughs) Yeah, and quite honestly, there is a credibility issue within the media today that I think needs to be fixed. Yeah. It's um, it's one of the reasons Russia's invasion of Ukraine can be justified by people within the U.S. and Western Europe. Uh, media outlets lacking credibility reporting on the atrocities committed by Putin and the Russian military can be, you know, basically shunned by large swaths of the population based solely on the fact that they're tired of being lied to by the media. Mm-hmm. And it's a dangerous aspect of misinformation. Um, while it's not difficult 
to identify misinformation due to the advancement of technology. What's becoming difficult is refuting the major points of the misinformation because there's hints of truth within that information. Can you give an example? Uh, Sure. So when Russia invaded Ukraine, the initial Russian misinformation was that the invasion was to save certain parts of eastern Ukraine that mainly identify as Russian. And that particular statement has some truth to it. There are regions in eastern Ukraine where a majority of people identify and and even the majority speak mainly Russian. Yeah. The complete truth, however, that we know now um, was that the invasion had nothing to do with how people identified and everything to do with Putin's desire to make his legacy one of Russian expansion. And so while there was the sprinkle of truth to the initial statement, it was, in fact, misinformation that allowed Putin to continue what he once called a special military operation. Once called? What does he call it now? Um, Now it's being deemed a counterterrorism operation. (laughs) Uh, We'll get into that in the next week and weeks for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I, I do hope that we've highlighted in this series that misinformation may seem harmless on the surface, but even the silliest pieces of misinformation can, from what we've identified through history, become a dangerous tool for evil people. Yeah, I can certainly see how even the most trivial misinformation story can lead to a conflict. Is there anything else for this week? You know, after that, we are well over time for this week. Well, as always, if you like this show, please try to tell at least one person about us. We can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a moment, head over to Apple or Spotify and give us a five-star review because those can help us get noticed by thousands of podcast listeners globally. And as always, if you would like in-depth coverage of these stories and more, please subscribe to our community at oakwindanalytics.com. Tiana, thank you so much. And until next week, stay safe out there.